A couple of weeks ago, I had the opportunity to help pull off a surprise wedding vow renewal. Now, I have been a part of vow renewals in the past where the husband and the wife have planned those out together. And I've heard stories about vow renewals where friends and family have gotten together and surprised the couple with a vow renewal. But never have I ever been a part of a vow renewal in which it was only a surprise to the groom. And this one was. The family knew about it. The friends knew about it. The pastor who did their wedding 30 years previously knew about it. In fact, he was going to be back to do the service. But the groom did not have a clue. So we were telling my youngest son and his wife about this experience, and they just celebrated their fifth wedding anniversary. And my youngest son said, That is the worst. He looks to his wife and says, Alex, do not ever do that to me ever. You see, some people just don't like to be surprised. But even those that do can still find themselves being shocked or startled or taken aback when they step full on into the unexpected. Because no matter whether we like it or not, for some people, it's just hard to expect the unexpected. Have you noticed that when you have siblings or close friends or family members, maybe even your spouse, that sometimes you have nicknames or pet names for each other? Now, I'm not talking about those critical, negative, you know, demeaning kind of names. I'm talking about those fun and cutesy and, and creative names that often come with a special meaning, and sometimes it's only known by a few or just that one person to whom you have that name. Now, if my wife, Barb, if she were to share my contacts with you on her phone, it would not come through in your phone as Virgil. It wouldn't come through in your phone as sweetie or babe or honey. No, none of those things. If my wife were to send you my contacts, it would show up on your screen as my Boy Scout. My wife calls me her boy scout, not because I'm involved in scouting, because I'm not, not because our three sons were involved in scouting, because they weren't, and not because when I was involved in scouting that I earned the prestigious Eagle Award, because I didn't, and I will blame a girl I met at church camp for that, but that's another story for another day. (laughs) No, it's because although I don't say it aloud, I kind of live by that idea of always being prepared, right? When it comes to life and planning and travel, I want to be prepared. Robert Baden-Powell, the founder of Modern Scouting Movement, said that to be prepared means you're always in a state of readiness in mind and body to do your duty. And more than a century later, be prepared remains the scout motto. And Barb would say, well, that's my husband's motto as well. And it's true. You see, at my house, I'm the T-crosser. I'm the I-dotter. If I'm planning it, I want to take in all the variables. I want to have all the details. Like my son, I'm not very big on surprises. That's just the way it is. See, I figure if somebody knows the details and they consider all the possibilities, well, it's much easier then to face the unexpected. Partly because you thought you'd expect everything. So here's a case in point. If you need a Sharpie or a highlighter or a face mask, if you need a set of earbuds, a pocket knife or a breath mint, 
If you need an external phone battery or a lightning cable or a coupon good for $10 off at Uncle's, it's in my backpack. Just ask. I'm serious. <laughs> but the Uncle's coupon expires in a few days, so, you know. The truth is, no matter how much we hate surprises or how much we love them, no matter how obsessively planned we are for every contingency or how irresponsibly unprepared we are, when it comes to God moving in our lives, we should always expect the unexpected. Let's pray. God, just this week, um, as this sermon is prepared and, and as the teaching is, has been worked on, and I just got to see you showing up in unexpected ways in my life this week. And I pray that as we look at this passage from the scripture today and we realize the unexpectedness, the ways that you showed up, that we would be looking at our own lives and seeing those places and those moments and those times where you showed up and where you showed off. God, we invite you to teach us today. Remind us from a very familiar passage of scripture that we can always expect the unexpected when it comes to you moving in our lives. Jesus, we thank you in your name. Amen. So after Josh's announcement last week, and again, his announcement today may have been news to some of you, and you might already be dealing with the unexpected. And I'm really glad that Josh clarified why I was preaching today, because we do. We have this great schedule of a, a calendar of who's speaking and when they're doing it. You know, and I was already committed to preaching today before Josh ever said yes to the Midwest. But he shared last week as we kicked off our summer teaching series here at Fork, which, by the way, I'm really excited about. I, 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 the, you know, the, 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 the stories about Jesus's life, the accounts of him, you know, walking on earth. I, I love those portions of our scripture. Um, but he shared that, um, you know, we're going to be studying the gospel of Luke. We're going to be spending some time going through the gospel or the book of Luke. And make sure if you missed that last week, you check that out at fortchristian.org forward slash latest messages. But we're going to be taking a look at some of the, we're not going to do a verse by verse study of Luke. Okay. That would take us more than the summer, but we're going to be looking at some significant events, significant moments in the life of Christ. And uh, I encourage you to spend some time reading through the book of Luke with us this summer. In fact, I would encourage you to take some time to read the book of Luke, whether you're sitting on a chair in your back porch, you know, whether you're sitting in the air conditioning of your house, whether you're out on a boat or, you know, sitting in your hot tub or wherever you find that time to get away, I encourage you, read through the book of Luke. It's 24 chapters long. So in fact, if you start reading tomorrow and you read one chapter a day, six days a week, you can read through the entire thing twice by the end of July. And I would encourage you to do that because I believe that what you hear from the stage will be made much more meaningful and much more applicable to your life if you've kind of got the big picture of the Gospel of Luke. I personally commit to take the read through the book of Luke twice by the end of July challenge, right? I'll do that. That's a challenge I've made. It's a challenge I will take. And you are welcome to hold me accountable. Ask me any day you want and say, Virgil, how you doing on reading through the book of Luke? I'll be glad to tell you how it's going. So as a quick refresh from what Josh talked about last week, Luke is one of those books bound up in our Bible that we call the Gospels or the Good News, right? They are the ones that recount for us the moments in the life of Christ, the other ones being Matthew and Mark, 
and John. But what sets Luke apart is that it was written as a personal, personal communication to his friend Theophilus, right? Side note, this is not the only book of the Bible that was written to Theophilus. Luke also wrote the book of Acts, right, which is a history, of the recorded history of the early church. That was also written to Theophilus. I would encourage you, if you haven't read Acts in a while, feel free to jump in on that one as well. And now we don't always refer to the book of Luke as a letter, but the salutation at the beginning, and Josh shared this last week, appears that it was more like a letter, a very long letter, right? He says, having carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I've also decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus, so that you can be certain of the truth of everything that you were taught. And 24 chapters later, we have the book of Luke. Now, if you'd like to, feel free to go ahead and open your Bibles or your app. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 this morning. And I wonder, without looking, without cheating, um, when you think of Luke chapter 2, what is the passage that we're going to be talking about today? What's this about? I'm sorry? The birth of Jesus, right? Luke chapter 2. It is the Christmas story. So as we get into our text today, I want to ask you a question. It's rhetorical. You don't need to shout this one out, right? I want to ask you a question. What do you expect for Christmas? What do you expect for Christmas? In your own head, in your own heart, you can take that kind of wherever you want, right? Maybe you expect certain gifts. Maybe you expect time with your family. Maybe you expect a few days off of work or a few days off of school. Maybe you're just sitting there wondering, why are we talking about Christmas and it's the middle of June? Because that's certainly not expected. Remember earlier, though, that I said when it comes to God moving in our lives that we should always expect the unexpected. I believe that in the account of the first Christmas that Luke sets before his friend Theophilus and in turn sets before us the idea that when it comes to following Jesus, we should be prepared to expect the unexpected. I believe that as Luke continues to unpack the accounts of the history of the life of Christ, that there will be things that he has to say, stories that he has to tell, and life change that we will be called to that are certainly not expected. So here we are, in the middle of June, second chapter of the book of Luke, where we will find the most complete the most well-known and the most well-read account of Christmas. And as you think about Luke chapter 2, whether your familiarity with it, with this historical account of the birth of Christ, whether your familiarity with it comes from years and years and years of following Jesus, or whether your familiarity with it comes because, well, I just kind of show up at church once a year that last week of December and I hear that story every single year, or whether it's from the showing yearly of a Charlie Brown Christmas, we easily think of Luke chapter 2 with these words. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. When we recognize that Luke is about to give the account of God coming to earth wrapped in baby flesh, we might think, what a horrible introduction. That's not what we would expect. That's not what we would expect for the first Christmas to look like. 
right? If we take a moment to think about it, that's not what those in the Jewish faith would have expected the coming Messiah to look like. Yet looking back at that moment, in amazing detail, Luke captures for us these events that surrounded the birth of Christ. And when you and I, when we can kind of discard the busyness, when we can put away all the traditional trappings of Christmas, we can see that God showed up in ways that were shocking. He showed up in ways that were surprising. Yes, Luke shows us that in this moment, when God the Father revealed to all of mankind his son, the savior of the world, he did it in a way that nobody expected. Let's go ahead and read Luke chapter two, starting in verse one. At that time, I can just imagine Luke sitting here and writing this out. Like just picture, you know, sitting at a table, writing it all out for his buddy Theophilus. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no lodging available for them. That night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them, and they were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and they found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said about this child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen. And it was just as the angel had told them. I don't know about you, but I think sometimes we get so caught up in the familiarity of the Christmas story, that we just simply fail to see all the unexpected details in it. But let me remind you that when it comes to God moving in our lives, we should always expect the unexpected. If you're a note taker, this might be where you want to get out your pen, right? I want to remind you today that God will show up in times that we don't expect him. God will show up in times that we don't expect him. 
the Apostle Paul, the persecutor uh, turned passionate Christ follower, who would write many of the letters that we have contained in our Bible, many of those letters that we have in the New Testament, he would have this to say about God's timing for the birth of his son. It's from Galatians chapter 4. It's from the New International Version. He says, but when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Now, Paul says it was the fullness of time, but it sure didn't seem like it was a good time. See, the nation of Israel was under Roman rule, and this wasn't the first time that they had been oppressed by another nation. Previously, they'd been subject to Babylon and to Assyria and to Persia and the Greeks, and now finally Rome. So it wasn't just the fact that they were being oppressed by another nation that made this a bad time. The fact that Mary, the mother of Jesus, was very, very pregnant, why, that contributed to the bad time. And it was also a census time, which means we didn't fill out something in the mail to say how many people were living in our house. They had to travel. They had to travel to register so they could get taxed. You'd have thought that God would have made it easy. You'd have thought that this being his own son, after all, the birth should have been more predictable. A planned birth in a comfortable bed with the most skilled physicians, the best midwives, all the creature comforts, but instead we find them on the road. My youngest daughter-in-law is due with our fifth grandchild in less than a month. Now, I'm not always the best dad in the world, but there is no way that I would have had her walk for several days to register for a government census when she's just about to deliver, deliver her baby. But that's exactly what Mary and Joseph did. God showed up in the fullness of time. You see, God will show up in times that we don't expect him, but God will also show up in places that we don't expect him. See, most would have expected that the Savior of the world would be born in any uh, any, would not expect him to be born in anywhere but the best of locations, right? The, the most royal of, of palaces, the, the softest of, of pillows, the cleanest of environments, you know, with cold, damp rags to provide comfort for Mary and boiling water. Because in all the old movies, they always had boiling water. But instead, God showed up in a stable for animals, a manger for a bed, Strips of cloth to swaddle him. See, God will show up in places or in times that we don't expect him. God will show up in places we don't expect him. But God will also show up with people that we don't expect him to. There were no royal guests, no people of importance, popularity, or power. No parents waiting in the waiting room. No company of friends. No meal train bringing more pasta than any two people could possibly meet. There was no trumpet blast. No hear ye, hear ye in the streets, except for the shepherds. And while their job was important, they weren't. Kind of least in society. Last ones picked. Often just hired hands or the youngest of the kids who were thought unable to handle the more important chores. But God showed up, and he let them be the first ones on the earth 
to proclaim the good news. You see, God will show up in times that we don't expect him. And God will show up in places where we don't expect him. And God will show up with people we don't expect him to. And God will show up in ways that we don't expect him to. To the casual observer, this was just one more weary traveling couple. In the middle of the night, it was just one more crying baby. To those who didn't know, it was just another bunch of shepherds coming down from the hills. And what could have easily be seen as an inconvenience or frustration or bad timing or as some would say, just bad luck. What it was, was in reality, it was God showing us that he can meet us at every time in our lives and in every place of our lives and with anyone he wants to use in our lives and show up in ways that we never expect him to. And I think that in this account of the birth of Christ, Luke is reminding us that not only can God do that, but that God will do that. And while this entrance into the world may not be what we would have expected for the one who would live a sinless life and eventually die for us on the cross, Luke reminds us that as imperfect people, as we chase after a perfect God, that we should expect to experience the unexpected. Sadly, I think sometimes as believers, and especially as young believers, we get this notion that when we're following God's perfect will for our lives, that everything's going to be easy, that it will be seamless, that the roads will be straight and the roads will be wide, and the pillows will always be soft and will never, ever grow weary along the way. But if you pursued a relationship with Jesus for any time at all, you know it's not if struggles and disappointment and sorrows will come. It's when they will come. And in our lives, just like in this very first Christmas, life will happen in ways and in places and with people totally unexpected. And the good news is, is that when God is moving in our lives, we can expect the unexpected. And when we do, God will show up. I encourage you, if you've been following Jesus for any length of time at all, I want you to take a look backwards. Kind of rewind in your mind the movie reel of your life. Starting with the day and looking back, take some mental notes of the ways that God has showed up in the unexpected. Feel free to write those down. I wonder, did the unexpected come in the way of an encouragement from a friend? Or was it through a word spoken from the stage or something from a book you read or a passage of scripture that John or Peter or James or Paul wrote in the New Testament part of our Bibles? Words that impacted you, changed your life, changed your direction, changed your course. Was the unexpected in an expression of love that you received? A moment of hospitality that you experienced? Was it a word of encouragement when you needed it? the absolute most. I also wonder maybe the unexpected to come when God showed up in the midst of the worst of your circumstances. When God showed up in the middle of your depression or your unexpected illness or your job loss or your house fire. 
You see, because whether we recognize it at the moment or not, looking back, we can see that God was moving in our lives and that we were experiencing him in the unexpected. We all know our worlds are constantly changing. Our normal has been upset by cicadas, a pandemic, job changes. Our normal is interrupted by births and deaths and marriages and divorces. And our life changes when we move across the country or just simply move across town. It changes when you graduate from high school or when you retire after years and years of faithful service. But this morning... I believe that the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2 is reminding us that God is meeting us not only in the times of the stable and the normal, whatever that is, but also in the upheaval and the unfamiliar. And whether this morning, whether you and I think we have it all figured out and have it all together, or whether we feel like our stability and our security is slipping from our grasp, Luke reminds us through the story of the nativity, through the story of the birth of Christ, that we should always be ready that when God is moving in our lives, he will show up. And that in our journey with Jesus, we should always expect the unexpected. Let's pray. It gets pretty easy, God, if we just take a moment to look back. And to see that in the best times and the worst times, that you were moving. That you were moving in times we weren't expecting it, that you were moving in places where we weren't expecting it, that you were moving through people that we weren't expecting it. We were just, you were just moving in all kinds of ways that we didn't expect. That you never stopped working, you never stopped moving, you never stopped impacting our life, even when we're so caught up in the moment that we don't see it. Just as So many times we're caught up in the story of Christmas that we fail to see all the unexpected events that you were causing to come together for an amazing, beautiful, life-changing story. So Jesus, we ask that you would continue to move in our lives, that you would continue to knit together all of the unexpected events of our lives to make our amazing, beautiful, life-changing story. It's your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.